Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Scrubbed In Show. I hope you've all been keeping well. This week we're doing something slightly different. We've, you know, gone to the dark side. We have with us a dentist who is Dr. Sunny. I've been trying to get Dr. Sunny onto the podcast for a while after we connected. Um, he's had such an incredible story. Obviously, he's a dentist by background. He dabbled in crypto for a while and lost, you know, an obscene amount of money, which we'll get into. And more recently is making headways with the Greater Curve Matrix system, which he's introducing, you know, to dentists. Um, but one of the reasons we really wanted to bring Dr. Sunny on the show was, you know, his journey, his story has been inspirational, a lot of moments, you know, of resilience, of giving up, grit um, to where you are now. But absolute pleasure having you on the show, Sunny. How are you? Oh, thank you, guys. Lovely to be here. Lovely to be here. So um, you're absolutely smashing it, you know, with what you're doing now. But you've had kind of like, I wouldn't say a rough journey, but but a, a difficult one. And I feel like you've you've learned a lot on the way. Take us back to kind of the very beginning of that journey to the point where you were the motivation to study dentistry. And then we'll take it from there. Well, this is the bit where I'm probably uh, going to deviate away from what everybody else tends to come on and say. They say, oh, you know, I dreamed of being a dentist. I dreamed of being a doctor, right? Mine was uh, not that at all. Right? I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a very physical kid, very active, very creative. You know, I, was, I just uh, like computers as well. Um, Love playing football. So I actually thought I'd be a footballer, but obviously I'm too short <laughs> to do that. And then, of course, you know, Asian parents, be a dentist, be a doctor, be a lawyer. That was the, the common trope. And uh, dentistry was the one that I was, I was drawn to, basically. So it's a bit of luck. You know, I got good grades in uh, school, good grades in in uh, sixth form. So, so really, dentistry was it. And then I got into it, not really knowing what I was getting myself into, really. Tell us where you studied um, and that kind of the first few years, because I know for a lot of people, like college, sixth form is very different to life at university. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I studied at Queen Mary, which is uh, Barts, Royal London. Mm. Um, yeah, completely different from uh, sixth form. I think, you know, GCSE seemed like the hardest thing in the world when you're doing them. And then you go do A-level yeah. and they're like, GCSE is pretty easy. And it's, it's the same thing with uh, degrees, right? But dental school, medical school, I think they're very, very unique environments. You know, first year dental school was super intense, man. We had like in-course assessments every six weeks and everybody else was out partying, right? So, uh, yeah, real, real rude awakening, so to speak. So talk to us a little bit about the the sort of the highs and lows of dental school, right? So you've just talked about the intensity of it. A lot of people don't understand and don't expect that level of intensity. Um, but what things did you enjoy? What things, what things did you discover about yourself? Because five years is a long time at dental school, right? So what things did you learn about yourself there? Well, uh, I think Abdul will notice, but I'm I'm brutally honest, right? I'll tell you what I realised. I realised that the sort of traditional sit in the classroom, listen to the lecturer for most of the day was not how I learned best, right? And then mm -hmm. you don't know any better. So you go and bang your head against a brick wall, so to speak. You're sitting in the library eight hours a day, really thinking that you're doing something. But actually, in hindsight, I would have done it very differently. I think there's a certain amount, there's a certain limit to how much you can learn in, in a day. There's a certain amount of uh, data that you can consolidate, you know. Uh, so I think I learned that about myself, that the traditional sort of educational structure was was probably not the best fit for me but you know you you make do and you get on with things right so that was um that was probably something i learned about i mean the low the low one that well the lowest point again brutally honest i don't think i've said this on a podcast before but i failed finals mm. so fifth year you know everybody's there nervous to get their results 
And me, mm. brazen as anything, went up there first thinking, yeah, I'm just going to take it, walk out, that's it, I'm done, right? Went there and it said fail on it. I put it in my pocket, pretend nothing happened, walked out. <laughs> and then I had to I had to stay stay back six months extra at the end of fifth year, right? And if you failed then, that's it, you've, you've, you've wasted five years. So that was a high-pressure environment for sure. Yeah. And on, on that point, Sunny, because actually um, I was on Instagram recently and a lot of I came across a few posts. There's a few people who've actually failed their um, their recent exams and they're now in the retake period. Mm. Have you got any quick tips for them, quick advice for them on how to deal with this pressure? Because as you said, you fail that. Suddenly it's five years wasted rather than just a year or something like that. I mean, look, it's easy to say now, right? It's easy to say, sort of take it in your stride. And, and you know, there's something to be said, like, you know, when you're trying to fall asleep, and you can't fall asleep mm. and then you keep thinking to yourself mm. oh, i can't fall asleep oh i've got to wake up early oh i'm only getting five hours now oh i'm only getting four hours now there's that you know that incessant worrying and like i said i know it's easy to say but that isn't going to help you get the job done right you just need to focus at the task at hand the task at hand is all right something's transpired it's not ideal you know your pals are all gone that's done now you've just got to focus at the task at hand which is get this done so so yeah i mean however you're going to do that and maybe, maybe, you know, if it was like an academic failing, then perhaps the way that you were approaching the material, you know, you were just doing the same thing over and over and you weren't really putting that much effort into it. I think sometimes, mm. again, probably not a popular thing to say, but you've also got to decide what to learn. Like you can't learn everything. So some things you're probably going to have to skip over or gloss over. And it is a little bit of a probability, right? But you've got to, you, you can't learn everything. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and clearly you managed to get through it. Tell us about life working as a dentist so you, you you've grafted through dental school you managed to you know get over the last dumbbell block now you're kind of on the shop floor per se how was life as a dentist well when i first graduated and i was doing the first, you know your foundation dentist year, your vocational training i was in a, mm. i was in woolwich right greenwich charlton that kind of area and the vt trainer i had he was just fantastic like a really really kind man really caring you know really loved his patients he was a bit it was a bit He's a bit of an idealist, actually. You know, he'd, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the NHS structure, but it's, it's quite a weird system for dentists, right? Yeah. They can do lots of work and not get paid for it, basically, yeah? Or sometimes yeah. do nothing and get, get some money for it, right? So it's, a bit, it's yeah. a, bit, a bit of a weird one. But he would, if he's got this patient that really couldn't even afford a denture, he'd go out of his way to go and make it for them. He wouldn't even charge them. You know, I, I couldn't understand it, but that was kind of his, uh, his paying it forward type of deal. You know, he had a great attitude of, like, mm. dentistry was kind to him, so he was kind to people, right? So that really rubbed off on me. And I liked mm. being there. Um, but then you get into real life practice and uh, it's very, very different. You know, you could be in a practice. I was in a practice of like five dentists, four dentists, something like that. And everyone just shuts their door behind them. They're in their room. You know, they're working all day long. You don't really speak to each other. You don't really don't really support one another, so to speak. If you're having a pickle, you're pretty much on your own. So it's a bit of a weird one. You're quite isolated as a dentist. Probably probably quite different from a hospital environment, but uh, in, in, in sort of in practices it's, it's, it can be like that so that was very tough i found that really quite difficult nhs mm -hmm. work is very very difficult as well i found that super super tough you know and I, mm -hmm. I, I clearly wasn't good enough as well because when you get out of dental school unless you've really really gone out of your way you haven't really racked up that much clinical time so it's, it's a steep learning curve no definitely tell us kind of the moments when i know at one point you were very frustrated with the profession with the environment with you know the, the stressful work environment tell us how that developed and grew and what happened next well i mean the um i think that it was the frustration you know sometimes i used to say i, I, I didn't think i enjoyed dentistry i didn't think i liked it 
in hindsight, it wasn't dentistry, right? How can you say that? It's actually very small-minded to say that you don't like a huge, gigantic, innovative field, right? The, the truth mm. of the matter was I didn't like my environment. And the environment was one mm. where it was super target-driven. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you, if you don't fulfill the NHS contract, then, you know, you risk not getting it again the next year, right? So there's pressure from the practices as well. And, uh, you know, you want to do good work, right? I'm sure you guys are much the same, right? You don't want to just rush a procedure. You want to get it done properly as somebody, is somebody, it is somebody, right? It's not just a tooth or, mm. or whatever else. So that was very, very frustrating because you want to do good work. But at the same time, you know, I, I got married quite young. So I had children and, you know, you got financial pressures as well. So it's very, very difficult. So it's a bit of a sticky one. And then I got the opportunity to uh, join a startup, you know, like a squat private practice, right? So very mm. few patients. I remember when I got there, I was like one patient and, that first year there, I, I earned way less than an NHS dentist. But, you know, I took the ball by both horns, so to speak, knowing that that's what I wanted to do. But as with all humans, right, what we tend to do is mm. we defer our happiness into the future. So we go, oh, when this happens, it'll be cool then. Mm. Be happy then. And so I thought, yeah. right, as soon as I go private, things will be all right. And, and again, that was a bit of a rude awakening because I realised actually how not good of a dentist I was. And, um, and uh, I didn't have the NHS structure to kind of, cover that up anymore so now it was like patients you'd have to refund them or you'd have to redo treatment for free or all the rest of it so a bit different from a hospital setting i get that uh, it's quite a commercial environment you know the dentist themselves typically will present the treatment plan to the patient including how much it is which can be quite difficult for some um, but yeah it was it, again i just it just didn't pan out for me that that even the private sector and in hindsight again it probably wasn't the, the place for me you know there's a there's a big thing about finding where you're going to be comfortable and the nature in which you're going to be working. Right? Mm. Some people are very cool just to slot in a team and kind of, you know, they, they, they're cool to just be part of that kind of situation. And there are other guys who, who they want things on their terms, right? They want to, they want to, they want the buck to stop with them. So you've got to kind of find out your personality trait, you know, what mm. suits you best. And then I think sometimes, you know, when decisions were made and you didn't agree with them, but you don't have any autonomy in, in, you can't affect it. So that's very frustrating for somebody like me as well. So um, it became pretty clear pretty soon that, if I was going to do anything, I'd probably have to go in alone. Mm. Um, tell us a bit more about what happened next. Was it you, you kind of left the professional, kind of left being a dentist for a while and kind of dabbled into an even more volatile world? Yeah, I mean, well, that's, that's a logical segue. But before I go into that, what I would say is that, you know, you've already heard that I failed finals. And to make matters worse, yeah. right? I was, well, actually, I'd say the whole education backdrop, right? So just so you got that and then. It's not that I'm a bad student. It's just I like learning what I like to learn, right? So if you give me, mm. you know, I, I was reading a book last week. Highly recommend it, by the way. We can talk about this later as well. It's called Indistractable. And I gobbled that book, that book up in two days, like easy, you know, because it was just so captivating mm. to me, right? So I very much I get interested in things and I can take a deep dive, right? So in school, it wasn't like I was a bad kid or a bad student. But in year nine, they put me in year 11, right? I did, I did half my GCSEs, yeah? And then... Oh, wow. I stayed in year 11 when I was obviously supposed to be in year 10 and I did the other half, right? And so I got, back then, A-star was the top spec, right? I didn't get beyond that. I don't know what it's like nowadays. I think it's like A-star, star or something. But mm. A-star was the thing and I got three A-stars, six A's, two B's, right? So it wasn't bad. It was, uh, clearly I was capable, right? And I did enjoy school and GCSEs at that time. Then I got into sixth form and I got really into football, you know, like I was playing every lunchtime and obviously sixth form's quite distracting for various reasons that we all know, right? And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I just went a little bit wayward. And then I got predicted three U's. <laughs> and I remember my chemistry oh, teacher wow. saying, he goes, if this guy gets anything more than a D, yeah, he goes, I'll eat my hat. And, of course, you know, I oh, finished, wow. finished up with three A's and a B, right? You know, three A levels and an AS level. 
and he definitely didn't eat his hat, you know, and he barely shook my hand about it. But <laughs> so, but my point was, it wasn't. I didn't think I was a bad student. It was just I just really liked learning stuff. So anyway, fast forward this sort of depressed phase of being in the NHS and then going to this private practice. It was it was quite a grim time for me, and uh, you know, not proud of it. But on the weekends, you know, I became this sort of amateur party boy and just drowned my sorrows and all the rest of it. Right? Not the way to live. And then come Monday morning, mm. I'll be back at it again, thinking, why is my life so rubbish? So uh, not really looking at myself at this point. And then when I got to about 30 years old, right, I'm 36 now, I'm going to be 37 this year. When I got to 30, I took a long, hard look at myself. Yeah, my daughter was a few years old. I thought to myself, what kind of person do I want to be? You know, what, what kind of father do I want to be? What kind of person mm. in my community do I want to be? And la, la, la. And mm. turns out that wasn't the type of person I wanted to be. So I took a real, real deep dive in all things educational, especially all things financial. Right. So, you know, I, I was just listening to any podcast about anything just to try and absorb and learn and just become a bit well-rounded because I realized that, you know, that love for learning, that kind of curiosity in me kind of died off at the, after dentistry. And then I didn't really do a lot of courses at that point as well. I was just really quite jaded with the whole thing. So I really, took, really went deep into that. And then, and then somehow I stumbled across Bitcoin, right? So, uh, mm. you know, decentralized money, right? Ultrasound money, if you like, right? So, uh, you know, you guys are kind of like the Bitcoin of education, right? You're trying to decentralize it yeah. to, some, to some degree, right? So, yeah, that's how I fell onto that and it looked interesting. And then I got reading into that. And then, you know, it's only a matter of time with, with all forbidden fruits that you go and take a bite, right? I remember when we were having a chat, like you, you ended up doing quite well with it. You kind of, you know, were like doing well, making a bit of money, and then it kind of all collapsed for you to a certain degree, isn't it? So tell us a bit about that journey and kind of the mindset and how you kind of dealt with it. And I think it's one of those things where finance is such a big worry, such a big stressor for people like us that have, you know, this professional outset or come from a background where we need to provide for the family. Yeah, totally, totally. So, um, yeah, I mean, by this point, I was at peak frustration. And then I, I really thought like I didn't really have much to lose sort of thing. I, I really didn't. I truly believe that dentistry was not was just not for me. Right. And, um, you know, it's, it's quite brutal on the body as well. You know, like you're sitting in this awkward position all day long, like my neck and back were killing. Like I said, I'm pretty athletic. Right. And for me, that was that was starting to encroach on my identity, so to speak. So then me not being able to exercise and play football and box and all that kind of stuff that really started to, you know, it digs into yourself, yourself your self-worth yeah. a little bit right so it, again super depressing so anyway I, I started dabbling with with bitcoin i started putting some trades on and then you know started to learn about it it's like reading lots of books um then then two, this was 2017 and i don't know if anyone knows but 2017 like bitcoin just blew up right it just went from something like a thousand dollars to like twenty thousand dollars right and i mm -hmm. entered at about 1800 and again like i'm not an expert at all it was just super lucky and i think i put about twenty five thousand pounds in don't ask me why. It sounds like a lot of money, right? But then that 10x, so I had 250,000, right? And there I was, I was like ready to hand in my resignation. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go start. <laughs> Don't about that. You know, I really, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was finished. It was done. And then 2018, the market crashed, right? And it went from like 20K to 11K, like super quick, popped up again mm. to like 17K. And I was like, oh, no, it's all right. Like I'm saved. And then it's been yeah. crashed again, right? So then, and I just, for this next year, 2018, I just watched it, like, just go all the way back down to where I entered, pretty much. So, oh, so yeah. Bitcoin went, you know, 10x from where I was in, and then it went 90% down, right? And again, if you've never experienced this, and you've also got to realise that the stock market works, like, the cycles are so, so much longer. Like, they take a long, like, 10 years to see that. And in crypto, it's just, like, a few years, like, all compressed, and it just happens. It's ridiculous, and it's just, like, markets on steroids. So that was brutal, <laughs> and I had to go back to dentistry, obviously, right? And then... um 
I had to really, really give that give that a good go. But yeah, I mean, um, standard disclaimer with with crypto, right? I mean, it's amazing yeah. upside, but you've got to you've got to understand it, like, and actually say to yourself, do I actually think this makes sense? And if it does, then allocate a percentage that you're comfy with, yeah. And that and that percentage, right, this is a, bit of a weird one that I've picked up over time. That percentage that you're going to allocate, it's it's a hard game, right? Because if you don't allocate enough and it does well, you'll you'll be upset. Yeah. And yeah. then if you allocate too much and it comes down, I mean, it's painful. So you need to, mm. in my opinion, I'm always kind of allocated now, whereby if it goes up, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I should add some more. And then if it goes mm. down, I'm like, oh, I still feel a bit queasy about it, right? So it's almost like there's this yeah. balance where you're going to feel something either way, right? And that's probably where you're allocated. Yeah. So that's a, that was the tangent on that. And then... Um, so by this point in your career, even your personal life, you've, you've had this whirlwind, right? Failures, success failure um and like you said there's that unfortunate feeling of you feel like dentistry isn't for you or you you know you're not inclined to dentistry anymore tell us you know after you've kind of done the crypto stuff how do you rediscover your your passion for dentistry what changed what happened where it led you to now coming into a podcast here sharing your story well i think um life has this very you know unique way of humbling all of us right you know, and so that was mm. these humbling experiences where sometimes because we're super smart and educated and you've really, you know, busted your ass to get to where you are, sometimes you think that these skills and level of ability transfers to other fields, right? It's, it's some sort of bias, yeah. I, I forget the name. But, you know, like we think, oh, because we're good doctors or dentists, then oh, I'm going to be a good trader. Well, and I'm going to be yeah. a good, something else as well. They're not transferable. So I actually realized I am a dentist. It's the thing that I've invested a lot of time in. Uh, so that was a bit of an epiphany moment. And then I realized again that I really didn't want to give up on it, right? Because I invested so much time, sunk cost mm. fallacy and all that kind of stuff. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to really go and hit education hard. All the best guys, I started to look at them. What did they do? They all studied further. They, they didn't stop. They just kept on going. So I did uh, like 200 hours in-person CFD within like one and a half years. So I just went nuts. I just went absolutely nuts. Mm. Did all the big boy courses. And that really, really helped me improve and kind of uh, showed me the innovative side of dentistry, how exciting it can be. You know, you can control how you work. And if you work in a slick manner, it can be really enjoyable. When things work, there's nothing more fulfilling. It's just all the mm. stressful stuff, right? That really gets you down in the down in the dumps and the stressful times, especially when you don't know how to manage it, especially when uh, perhaps this is the first time you're really having conflict with people, you know, your patients, right? In dentistry, like you can have, they, they can have conflict when things don't go wrong uh, for a variety of reasons. The mouth is actually pretty quite complex. So, um mm. Uh, lost. I lost my trailer. Thought. What was the question? <laughs> what was the question? So, um, you were doing like a bunch of courses, upskilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're starting to kind of go at it again, um, and kind of getting into the, the the stride of things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I did all that, and then again, like that, that really helped. You know, obviously, I learned from some fantastic people and some of the some of the big names. I mean, you know, one in particular, the gentleman called Sabir Banerjee. I mean, like he just blew my brain. Like the stuff that he was doing. If it wasn't him doing mm -hmm. it, other dentists would look at it and say, "What is that?" And this guy was doing it, you know, boldly saying, yeah, this is the best, this is the best option for this patient. And it really made sense to me. You know, it really, really made sense to me. So I started dabbling with those types of treatments. And then you become, you become creative in your work, right? Because you see other ways to do things. So that really sparked something in me as well. And then because I had been exposed to all these different education styles, right? Postgraduate education mm -hmm. styles, and they all varied. Mm -hmm. And some of them were like, you know, they'd be playing house music in the background and it's like a you know, creative type of environment and others will be quite official and lecture style, I kind of found what resonated for me and what I think 
people uh, what's the best learning environment for people adults especially right because they don't learn as well as uh, children so so uh, mm. i kind of picked up a lot of that stuff you know how how to how to teach as well you know from learning from these these guys and when i was young i was always a sharer i was always that guy like who go to my pals and say oh, have you seen this thing and then i talk their ears off because i just like sh- sharing sharing that kind of stuff so mm. yeah dentistry I was, I was i was i was i was getting better i was getting into it i started to see the promise but again, like mm-hmm. after all these courses, my, my performance still wasn't as good as I wanted it to be, right? Basically, what a dentist wants is to do a procedure and it works, you know, nine out of ten times at least, right? You know, especially mm-hmm. if it's just routine stuff. And I still wasn't there, right? I still wasn't there. And uh, that's when, you know, listen, uh, going on, on online, I wasn't, I wasn't doing anything crypto-related on the computer anymore because obviously that was very painful. And uh, just, to, mm-hmm. just to add that, when that crashed, I sold because I didn't know what I was doing. And in 2020, it then mm. went up 1,500%, right? So, <laughs> I, yeah, I would have been a multimillionaire. I mean, that is, talk about salt in the wounds, right? But again, mm. just, just uh, you, you bounce back and, um, but these are all painful things. It's mm. emotional trauma, right? Oh, yeah. So, Sunny, I just wanted to ask at this point, right? What was different about how you felt at this moment? So, obviously, there's a contrast now that we're starting to see, right? Very disgruntled at one stage. Now you're returning. Now you're learning under teachers who you want to be learning off of what what was changing for you at this moment sort of emotionally how you felt about dentistry you've said how you you said already said how you were upskilling yourself at the same time uh tell us about that contrast now the contrast was pretty stark right you know i had a feeling of before that i didn't really have control you know i was just in this job and you're kind of in this career path and i speak to a lot of dentists i mean i spoke to a gentleman the other day he's been in the same practice for 20 years and he's just just sick of it right and, um, you know, it's, mm. it's pretty common. And then the contrast became, actually, you know, if you go and take take hold of your own education, yeah, you take control of it, you set the curriculum, you set the syllabus, then actually, mm. you know, surprising things happen. You know, surprising things happen when you actually put the effort into yourself. And not only that, but what you're learning, go and share that with your pals. Like, go and share that. Don't be scared. That, I mean, and that's one of the mm. reasons that I like here so much, right? Because you know i've encountered dentists right obviously now I'm a, I'm a teacher of sorts and all the rest of it and i've encountered dentists who are super qualified who i know are having the same problems as other dentists but they didn't want to learn from me because they were super qualified right mm. so that was like very mm. funny and i'm not saying i'm the best dentist i'm just saying this particular thing that i do i'm very good at it that, that's it but they didn't want to learn from me so yeah. that was really quite weird so so the whole being able to share with your pals and have this format where you can actually share openly and this is your audience are people who want to learn from people who are in the trenches, right? So I think uh, yeah. that, that's, mm. that's something special you guys uh, have created as well. But that was the biggest contrast, that actually I had control over my destiny. And, you know, that all began with setting my own syllabus. Going back to, to the story where we left off from, you said now you're starting to research some stuff online. Um, mm. Tell us a bit more about that, please. So I spent a lot of time on this uh, American dental forum, right? And uh, just I just had this preconceived notion in my head that americans were ahead of the game right and i used to listen to this podcast as well called dentistry uncensored and the guy on there me and one of my friends right his name's howard fran is the uh, the guy who does the podcast and me and one of my friends call him baguan right which you know means like holy man right because he's, <laughs> he, he also really inspired us because this guy was like down to earth would tell it exactly how it is wasn't scared of anybody i think he's got in trouble so many times but that was one of the things i thought <laughs> no, there's a there's a whole there's a whole world of dentistry right and anyway, long story, I came across this um, this system, right? And this system's called the Greater Curve, right? And it basically helps dentists fix teeth, you know, easily, quickly, predictably, works. It simplifies it, all that good stuff, right? 
And I saw it and it just clicked for me. I was like, well, this makes sense. And there was like tens of thousands mm. of these Americans having great success with it. So I, so I got my hands on it, started playing around with it. And that's when the penny dropped. I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm onto something here. I think dentistry doesn't need to be as complicated as everybody's shown it so far, right? And uh, it, it just engaged me. It just hooked me, right? And then uh, in 2020, so this is 2018 now, after the crypto sadness, that's when I started using the system, mm. found it. And then 2020, I heard Dr. Brown, Dr. Dennis Brown, the inventor of the system, on a podcast, that Howard Franz podcast, Dentistry Uncensored. And this guy's in his 70s, practices for over 40 years, super humble, super down to earth, same problems we're having, he's talking about, and how he had it as an experienced dentist. And that the accepted way of doing these procedures, he just didn't do it that way. And he just said it like full chest to this guy on this podcast, like, I don't do it that way. And, uh, so mm. I emailed him because I had to, I had to you know, just get back to this guy. And then we started talking, then mm. he said, let's do some Zooms. I started Zooming, started sharing my cases. He started mentoring me, and this was like the first official mentor that I had, right? So quite late into my career, but this was the first. Mm. And almost like, you know, uh, good things come to those who wait, so to speak, because I think he made up, you know, having like five mentors because of, again, his generosity, his supportiveness, you know, very, very mm. down-to-earth attitude, you know. You know, it just it introduced a pragmatism to me that, and made me realise that in life, some things are compromises. You know, and even mm. with procedures, sometimes there are compromises to be had, you know. And sometimes we, I, for me in particular, would look, look at that as a failing. I'd look at that as a failing of me and my dentistry and my ability. But actually, it's not. And this is a really experienced guy saying, look, this is what happened to me. And that's what I had to do because that's how the, that's what the situation, that, that's what it was. So that was uh, super, super beneficial. And um, after this sort of mentorship with him over Zoom, you know, I'm flying now. And by this point, I've left the job. I've, I've started a few businesses, you know, some of them, well, they all failed, right? <laughs> and this one's the one that's working, but we can come back to, to failed ventures, right? So more failure, more painful failure. Uh, and then, um, and then long story, October 21, I'm on a call with Denny and, I, and I'm taking notes. I'm always taking notes when this guy's talking, right? It's just so much knowledge we have from this guy. And I just said to him, I said, Denny, look, I want to teach this. And he said, you know, what? I want you to teach it as well. And then I said to him, right, cool, let me, let me come back to you with an MVP. I came back to him with an MVP of what I thought the course would look like. And I had held quite a few courses by this point. You know, they, you know the, the business ultimately fell because it wasn't commercially viable. But I had some experience as well. And, um, you mm. know, confident speaker, la, la, la. And I think I can convey information in, a, in an understandable way simply because I didn't, I didn't learn very well from the traditional sort of way of, of learning. So it was quite mm. kind of inherent to me. It was quite, quite, came quite natural to me to actually make an environment that was engaging, not too much, don't overload people break it down into chunks, you know, focus on the important things, supplement the ancillary stuff later on, la, 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 you know, all the stuff that will make a program really quite good. Mm-hmm. I really thought mm-hmm. I was the best man for it. So I said it to him, he agreed. And then that's the rest of it. That, you know, the rest is history, right? So Dre, DRE, Direct Restorative Excellence, is the only restorative course in the world in uh, official partnership with Great Curve, right? So, um, yeah, we're rolling. If you just look back at that, it's such incredible journeys of ups and downs. But the one thing that sticks out was the, the initiative, the, the pragmatism of you are still going out and learning, still going out and hustling, still going out to do something about it. Because I know, you know, you know, going back to, to a dentist, a lot of the time people just are in an uncomfortable, unenjoyable, unfulfilling environment and they don't do anything about it. They just firm it, right? Yeah. I think medicine and dentistry teaches you that you just stick it through and you're doing it for 20, 30 years only to regret it kind of when you're, you know, rather than become philosophical, is you on your deathbed, right? You regret, oh, I wish I'd done X, Y, Z. Whereas you kind of grabbed opportunities, or you, do you know what? You, you made opportunities for yourself, rather. 
um, which is incredible to see. Um, An important question, and I know a lot of people are thinking is, tell us the value of having a mentor, how it helped you, why it's so important, because same thing, like you said before, as medics, as dentists, we think we know it all. Yeah, we think as soon as we graduate, we, we've done it. We, you know, we're the best at everything in the world, right? And um, just because we've got a few A stars and GCSEs, tell us the value mm-hmm. of mentorship. Yeah, I mean, like many of your guests before, right? They, they, you know, when you ask them, what would you tell a younger guy? A lot of these, a lot of your guests say, mm-hmm. get a mentor. And uh, I'd mm-hmm. say value is it, invaluable. It's so invaluable. It accelerates your learning no end. You know, obviously, you have to have the right person. You, you have to gel. Right? Or, or at least be able to take a hard teacher, you know. Uh, but I think being able to click with your mentor is, is, is important, right? Because then you'll trust them. And when you trust them, you'll tell them, look, the, the little things that you don't want to tell no one because you're embarrassed or whatever else, you'll be able to tell them, right? So that's invaluable. Having a mentor that you can actually open up to is, is very, very important. And luckily for me with, with Denny, uh, Dr. Brown, he, um, I mean, he'll share his mistakes. He'll say, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. And, you know, you've got this guy who's like, 40 years experienced dentist and I didn't think about that Sonny and I'm like damn if he didn't think about it then maybe I'm not such an idiot <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of cool right you know that's quite that's quite humanizing and I, but I'd also say about mentors not everybody's lucky enough right to actually inherit that and I think that's where academia has a massive strength so yeah we talk about legacy institutions I think that's where they stand out because you're going to be under some guy and if you know da 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 and you yeah. just read the ropes and it's kind of like an apprenticeship so to speak I think that's where they stand out but what I'd say to people who are in a situation where perhaps they haven't got access to a mentor, they're in a business or a practice or, you know, some situation where maybe the one above is who's very experienced, very busy, or maybe he's just not, not that great a person, right? You can't just give up on that and you've got to go actively seek and find them, right? So, you know, I've got a variety of mentors and Dr. Brown's probably the main one in dentistry and the rest of them are outside of dentistry. So I'd probably say, look, mm. don't even just look into your field or how can I do this procedure better? You probably do the procedure pretty damn good. There's other things that you need mentorship in, the things that you've never learned. You don't know. Most people don't understand how a mortgage works. You know that. Most people have never mm. been taught that, what a mortgage is, how it works. Yeah. And actually for every pound, right, that you're borrowing, you're going to give a pound 75 back over the lifetime of this mortgage, as an example. They just say, oh, it's 2%. Yeah. They just think it's 2%. No, it's 2% of the amount every year. At just little things like that, right? So I've, you know, I've got a, a good, uh, a good, good, gentleman from canary wharf who you know every now and then he'll give me his time we'll go and sit for coffee and i'll pick his brain for like an hour and a half all things business and what i'm doing and how i should structure it and la 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 so that's very invaluable you know i think um somebody who can mentor you in relationships that's really important as well you know i've got i've got an uncle who's who's been through the ringer so to speak with like marriage and divorce and stuff like that so he's you know full of valuable insights i think you know Mm. you just gotta be looking to learn i paid for coaches professional coaches before you know, I had that for, you know, six months at a time. I, I tell you, that's invaluable. So much so, I believe in that so much so that I actually offer coaching services and mentorship mm. and have people come and shadow me when I'm working because I know how how it can really accelerate you, you know. It can really, really be the thing. So what? anyway, in summary, if you don't have access to one, money talks. So go and work really hard mm. so you can go pay someone for their time. And when some, you know, when you pay people, they give you a great service. You ever notice that? <laughs> <laughs> so do that. And then I promise you it'll come back, right? It, it'll pay, like it pays. It's investing in yourself is the best investment. In fact, putting 25 grand into my education, you know, probably go further than putting 25 grand into Bitcoin. But I don't know, maybe maybe if you put it into Bitcoin now, you might might have some good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talking about your current venture now, right? Um, so you've told us about the birth of it, right? Tell us about the first sort of uh, delivery of it. Have you managed to put out a course? What was the... 
reception like? Um, were people taken back, given given that you've taken something from across the pond in America and brought it over to the UK? Um, tell us about that. Tell us about that. Well, so, so the interesting opportunity, right, compared to all the other businesses that I've done before, this one, you know, actually had a unique selling point, right? It was different from all other restorative frameworks. It's not that difficult to learn. Anyone can learn it. There are no barriers to entry, so to speak. You just need to be a dentist, right, or a therapist, and uh, you can learn this. So it wasn't really being offered anywhere in the world. So the education offering was super unique, i.e. I was the first man to ever do it. I did it with Denny, mm. but of course, with my own spin and you know, learning style and all the rest of it, right? And, um, and, and even techniques that I've developed over the past couple of years. You know, Denny's retired now, so it's, you know, I'm, in the ch- I'm in the trenches, you know, testing these things out, pushing the boundaries of this system, right? So, so mm. um, that was interesting. Then the first time we threw it was last uh, May 2022. And again, when you're new, as you guys probably knew, nobody knew me and nobody knew the system and nobody knew this, this brand name, right? And despite best mm. efforts, getting traction at the beginning is brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. So if you can't take that, <laughs> just stick with, the, stick with the day job, right? Because it's going to be full of rejection. Um, you're yeah. going to second guess yourself. You're going to think, yeah, you're just really going to, you're going to doubt a lot, right? And that's normal. I think if you're not embarking on an adventure with severe, severe doubts, then either you're just, you're delusional, right? And you're going to lose loads of money. Or maybe you want such a winner and you're just so confident, right? But I think for most people, they're not going to be that confident going to market. I mean, I had mm. one guy that I spoke to him on the phone about it. And he said to me, I challenge you. <laughs> I said, all right then. Wow. Because I challenge you, <laughs> what you're doing isn't going to be better than this, right? And he mentioned this big, really popular system called BioClear. And then he mentioned another, you know, big boy, multi-million pound company garrison he said it's not going to touch these guys and you know i i had two options i could have backed down and, and quivered on the phone and said oh you're right or i could have said to him which i did i said go on challenge accepted i'll see you in may and um mm. they paid for the course mm. that day and i saw him in may right so, so and then when he comes along <laughs> he comes along he does it and i could see after each exercise this guy's a money man right he understands like the, the commercial viability of working this way as well and that is going to be better for patients. It's going to be better for him. I could just see his light, his eyes lighting up through the day. Mm. And at the end of the day, he comes yeah. up my hand and goes, no, no, I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one, all right? I was like, right. and that was a moment <laughs> where I had this big, big critic, really discerning person, and he comes and shook my hand. And then fast forward it now, you know, I think it was probably about three, three, three months later, he was ordering more than anyone else, right? Ordering more stuff. Wow. <laughs> and then he turns around and says to me, he says, yeah, Sonny, I'm only using this now. And I was like, come on, now I knew I was onto something again. And then fast forward to now, he actually comes and helps out on the courses. And he's actually gearing okay. up to be a trainer for the program as well. So, I mean, when I say it can, it can wow even the most ardent people, right? you just got an open mind. Mm-hmm. Right? He's open-minded enough to come and have a look. Some people are not open-minded enough to even look, right? So I can't do anything about mm-hmm. those guys. But if you're open-minded to come and have a, have a look and you benefit from it the way I have, and just to paint the picture from this struggling dentist, yeah, now I'm a referral dentist. That means... I take on work that other dentists don't want to do. And that's just using this system and understanding this restorative framework, how to fix teeth and save them, right? And extend the life mm. of them. I understand it so proficiently. And obviously I've been trained by Denny as well. You know, mm. That there's very, very few cases that come across my table that I say I can't do. Obviously turning your, your, your critic into a champion is, is one of those proof points or validation points in terms of when you're onto something, you know, you, you're building something in, in, incredible. Um, the the one thing I know people be keen to know is 
what advice or what tips would you give to dentists who are kind of embarking on this entrepreneurship world? Because um, being a dentist is one thing, but, you know, we've, we've touched on it. Entrepreneurship is a whole different ballgame. Like, you know, tell us a bit more about that. Well, again, I'd say, I'd say this, you know, you've got to be super cognizant of your downsides, right? So there's a book called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow, yeah? Very, very mm. famous book. Uh, one, you know, they got a Nobel, Nobel Prize for it. Very, very important work. And if there was one thing I took away from it, it was just this one thing, right? Because when I read these books, you're not going to take everything, right? You're going to take away the key, key points. Yeah. What, and not getting into the nuances, but this is my simplistic understanding. That actually, when I'm talking to Ams, when I'm talking to Abdul, I'm actually talking to two mm. of you. There's four of you, in fact. There's two of you in each of you, right? There's system one and system two. System one is mm. super quick, super slick, very emotional. Can sometimes be wrong, right? And if it doesn't know the answer to a question, it'll answer a different question and associate the answer with your question. And then the brain, you know, will, your mouth will stick it out there and actually think it's true. You, it's tricking yourself, right? It's like heuristic, mm. shortcuts, the way the mind works. And then system two, it's like really slow, really deliberate, very rational, but it's hella lazy, right? Mm. And so what I, what I took away from that, whenever I feel that sort of knee-jerk reaction to something, you know, something angers me or gets me a bit down, mm. or I just remember, it's just, it's just my system one right now. It's just this part of my brain that just feels this type of way is, is, is firing in that manner. Just cool down, sleep on it, and most importantly, seek counsel. So if you're going to go down the entrepreneurial route, and I hate that word, by the way, right? I much prefer mm. businessmen. <laughs> but but um, entrepreneur sounds so contrived sometimes, you know? It just sounds so contrived. Because, mm. right? um, you know, just throwing this one out there too, you know, most people who say they're entrepreneurs, right? They're really, they just own their job, yeah? So mm. entrepreneur means something very different to me. Entrepreneur to me means, you know, you've set up and built up an autonomous organization that if you died tomorrow, it will still run like you never existed. Do you, do you see what I'm saying, right? So it's just a yeah. subjective, subjective opinions. Anyway, seeking counsel is super important. So you've got to assemble this kind of small team, this ad hoc team of people who you can turn to for certain things when your system one is going off and you're about to do something stupid. Mm. And it's very easy to cut a deal. I mean, I've nearly cut a few deals last year that would have been terrible for the business. But it's only because mm. I went and spoke to savvy people and said, what do you think about this? Only for them to turn around and say, I think you're being hasty. And then, you know, you, you, mm. it, just, it just takes you back. When you hear it from somebody else, it hits you differently, right? Because you know they care about you. You know they want the best for you. So they're only saying it from the goodness of their heart. So you take it with a certain level of weight, right? You might even come to the epiphany yourself. But when they say mm, it, yeah it hits hard and you're like, you know what, because I really respect this person. I'm really going to, I'm going to absorb this and take my time, you know? So that's number one. Number two, I'd say morning routines, really, really important. You want to be, you, you want to do what most people don't do. You're going to have to live like most people don't live, right? So to me, mm. that's my example. I wake up at six. Uh, I'm not militant, no five, four o'clock or any of that sort of stuff. I just wake up six o'clock, <laughs> get cleaned up, go downstairs, do my sort of mobility routine for my body, go for a walk, come back, seven o'clock, coffee's on, sit down, I write for half an hour. And the topic on my writing is set for the day, yeah, in advance on my whiteboard. So today was with a sort of negotiation I'm having. So I was just exploring that, the things that, you know, just where I think we need to explore, you know, what we need to address. Uh, tomorrow I've got uh, some writing about a, a, a kind of build on to, the, to what we're doing now, like a bit of a creative project. So that's planned for tomorrow morning. And then the day after that, I've got uh, to do some memo to send to somebody. So then you, you've got that slot time. Then eight o'clock roll around. 
And my kids will come down. I'll have breakfast with them. That's like till 8.30, they'll go to school. Then 8.30 to 9, I'll gear up and say, right, this is what the day looks like. Where am I going? Where am I, who am I seeing? Who do I need to speak to? La, la, la. Then mm. 9 o'clock, my first work block starts. My first work block is probably 9 to 11. That's pretty solid, uninterrupted. Phone isn't even in the room. And then from there, I'll go gym for an hour. Then I'll come back. I'll have lunch. If I'm feeling particularly, uh, you know, like I've really, really pushed it, I might even have a little nap. And then the next work block, block <laughs> begins. And uh, yeah, just, just having that structure to it is actually freeing makes you very efficient. And point number three, leading on from that, from that book I read, Indistractable, where you've got to divide your time, right, to make this work, because there's always going to be that feeling that you don't have enough time, yeah? So what that book recommends is that you divide your time into three, three blocks, yeah? You time, like for you, relationship time, for your relationships, obviously, mm. and then work time. And you've got to divide that. Now, it doesn't have to be a third, a third, a third, but I think that's a good proxy, a third, a third, a third. By doing so, you have you time, meaning your mental is there, you're physically there, and you're going to be strong and you're going to be a good leader, right? You're going to be able to, you're going to, be able to weather the storm because you've taken care of yourself. Mm. Even if that means going and seeing your, your, your boys on a Friday night and going for a meal or going to, you know, going to do some clay pigeon shooting with your other pal, whatever, whatever it is that you make time for that, then your relationships, you know, obviously family, uh, you know, romantic, parental, uh, you know, peers, colleagues, like you've got to make time for all of those people as well because, you know, relationships are like, are like plants, right? If you don't water them, they wither away. So they constantly need mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, they need that sustenance. They need to be, so, so that's important. And then setting time for work. And then the most important thing is not having motivation and willpower and all that kind of stuff. First of all, it's working out what you should do. That takes so long. You know, in some of these deliberations mm -hmm. I've had with people, you know, bringing them onto the team or having contracts with them or something like that, Sometimes it's three or four weeks back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and you feel like you're losing time, wasting time, because it's the only thing on your head. And when I speak to some of my pals who are pretty, pretty, you know, done well in business and stuff, and they'll say to me, Sonny, even if you said to me three months, I would have said it was a great move. You know, that's, that's what wisdom will tell you. The wisdom will tell you, you know, sharpen, sharpen the axe, you know, was it sharpen twice, cut once, you know, that kind of approach, right? Rather yeah. than cut everywhere and then go, ah, oh, you know, I've cut my leg off. That is... A, a good note to, to kind of end it you gave like some jam-packed advice and the reason why i like you sonny um is you give real genuine frank advice and you pull it from resources you pull it from evidence you pull it from things work it's not like like you said like the bit like everyone bangs on about the 5 a.m club yeah you're right it doesn't work for you you're not about it you're doing a 6 a.m you make it work for you or you're reading these books and taking the best bit out of it rather than kind of consuming this one book and that's the holy grail. Um, no, I think this is such an important episode for dentists to hear because I have a feeling, and I may be wrong because I'm not as privy to the dental world, there are a lot of dentists out there, very unfulfilled, that are kind of doing the thing day in, day out, looking for a way out. And I think you're a source of inspiration for those people. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that, but um, I mean, I, you know, something really quite, close to my heart as well is like you know charity and making impact and all that kind of good stuff right and this doesn't mm. feel hard to me now right you know i'm working probably more now than i ever have but i'm enjoying it that much because you know what keeps me going when a dentist messages me with a case that he's done and said i could never do this before and i'm enjoying oh, dentistry wow. again you know i've got a friend of mine graduated with me he was desperately trying to leave dentistry and he's enjoying mm. dentistry now right after doing our program oh, and wow. working in this way so there's you know whenever it gets really tough I just look at those yeah. screenshots and I remember why I'm doing it, you know? And that final thing about the mm. charity thing, the beauty about this, mm. I actually finally get to express that kind of part of me that I was really brought up to, you know, to, to do that, right? I was, I was, I was yeah. brought up in a Sikh household, charities, big, big, big. 
So for us, instead mm. of me saying, oh, I'm going to go to the Turkey-Syria border and do dentistry for mm. three, four days and see 50 mm -hmm. people, I mean, little pat on the back for me, but 50 people, it's good, but it's, it's not that much. Instead, we tell our delegates, we're saying, what we really aim to do is grow this to such a size that we can funnel a percentage of our profits, not only to be donating mm. these Greater Curve Starter Kits so that people can do dentistry anywhere in the world without a chair, right? Because it allows it allows that to happen. But on top of that, the people who wow. want to get involved and pay it forward, what we'll do is we'll go fly out there and train those oh. dentists in a day how to do it, right? So I could go and see 50 patients. Or I could go train 50 dentists. I'd rather train 50 dentists yeah. and they go treat thousands of patients each, right? In this yeah. really yeah. simplistic manner. It works with any material that they use. Uh, it works anywhere. You know, it's, it's proper gorilla, man. But, I mean, this is, this is the stuff that really excites me, right? No, definitely. And I love that sustainable approach in, in a scaled way. And I think maybe a lot of that stuff stems from your experiences, your, your personal, you know, life. And like you said, a businessman, you, when you start this world of business, you think different. You don't think on a one-to-one -one type basis. You're thinking at scale. You're thinking, you know, about all the different moves and plays. Um, so no, definitely. It was very interesting to hear how your life kind of come together. And I, I think you're just starting, Sonny. Like this is the beginning of, you know, hopefully what is to be an empire. Mate, we're just getting warmed up, yeah? <laughs> no, definitely, man. I want to I I thank you uh, for taking the time out. I know you're super busy, um, and I want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in. No, thank you for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Love what you're doing. You're going to see more of me on your platform. You know it.